The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field, which a person finds and hides again, and out of joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea, which collects fish of every kind. When it is full, they haul it ashore and sit down to put what is good into buckets. What is bad, they throw away. Thus, it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Do you understand all these things? They answered, yes. And he replied, then every scribe who has been instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old. The gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I just got off an eight-day retreat, so I'm anxious to talk today, because I didn't talk much on my retreat. And as most of you know by now, I've made a resolution to read a number from the catechism whenever I get up here on Sundays, and today's is a really juicy one, so listen to this. This is number 1701, and it's in the section... It's in the third section, how we live, how we live. And this refers to our calling in Christ. And this in particular speaks about the image of God, man, the image of God. Christ, in the very revelation of the mystery of the Father and of his love, makes man fully manifest to himself and brings to light his exalted vocation. We'll come back to that. It is in Christ, the image of the invisible God, that man has been created in the image and likeness of the Creator. It is in Christ, Redeemer and Savior, that the divine image, disfigured in man by the first sin, has been restored to its original beauty and ennobled by the grace of God. Beautiful. So that first sentence that refers to Christ fully manifesting to himself man, that's from the Second Vatican Council, Gaudium et Spes. John Paul II loved that. And he would paraphrase it by saying, Jesus Christ is the answer to the question that is every human life. It's a good thing to ponder, right? Jesus Christ is the answer to the question that is every human life. So that begs the question, well, what is the question that is every human life? Well, we all have questions that we ask. And the, the, the most profound questions that we ask ourselves are, why am I here? Where did I come from? Where am I going? 
What's the purpose of my life? What's my life's mission? What's the goal of my life? These are all great things to ask. And God wants us to ask these questions. That's why God got so excited when Solomon, in that first reading, didn't ask for riches or for his enemies to be destroyed, but he asked for wisdom so that he would know the meaning of life and how to govern the people that God had entrusted to him. But so much of what I want to say today uh, hinges on this second reading. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8. If you're not familiar with Romans chapter 8, it's one of my most favorite chapters in all of Scripture. So 828 is probably familiar to many of you. Brothers and sisters, we know that all things work for good for those who love God. So we paraphrase that in a lot of different ways. But all things work for good for those who love God. Romans 8, 28. It's a good one to memorize. But then Paul goes on. Who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, which is all of us because he foreknew all of us that he created. So those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We'll come back and make sense of that. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So he's doing it. When Paul speaks like this, it's something that he's done in Christ. It's something that he's doing, present tense. And it's something that he wants to do at the end of time is, is when it will ultimately be fulfilled. So a lot of times when, when Paul talks about being saved or being justified, glorified, it's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing process. So it's not this once saved, always saved. We have been justified already by Christ. We've been baptized, which means we've already received, as Paul likes to say, the first installment of our inheritance. So we've already received the Holy Spirit. God's already going to work on us. As that number in the catechism referenced, sin distorted the image of God that we have of ourselves and of God himself. It didn't distort God, but it distorted our Ability to know God. So the image that we have of God and therefore the image that we have of ourselves is distorted because of sin. But God so loved the world, right? God the Father so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him, John 3, 16, 17, right? So Christ comes to not only restore us, it's not, I like to say that, you know, if you happen to break the handle off of your favorite coffee mug, you might super glue it back on. Well, Jesus didn't come to just super glue us back together. It's not that he took the broken pieces of our fallen nature and somehow just put them back together. 
with some kind of heavenly superglue. No. <laughs> but rather, we've been ennobled is the word that the catechism used. I like to say perfected, that God's grace, it not only restores us, but it perfects us. It makes us more like him. And that's what God wants. I was listening to this preacher while on my retreat, Dan Moeller. He's an evangelical preacher, really funny guy, but very serious. But one of the things he loves to say is, look, Christ didn't do all of the things that he did just so that we could get into heaven. But he did all of the things that he did. And then he and the Father together poured out the Holy Spirit so that they could get heaven into us. So that they could get heaven into us. And as I was, you know, so I'm praying with that this morning. And the Our Father. It's funny, you know, we, we pray the Our Father so many times. And I had to pause and I had to review it. I actually had to look it up in the catechism. Do I have the wording right? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So even that prayer that Jesus taught us speaks to what he wants to have happen. He gave us the words, which is a way of his showing us his heart, revealing his heart to us. This is how I want you to pray. This is what I want you to ask for. This is what I want to have happen. This is what I want to help you with. Heaven coming down to earth, that you would make the kingdom of God manifest in your midst, through your lives. Sin ruined things, but we're not going to let sin have the last word. We're not going to let sin and the devil, we're not going to let them have the last word. I rose from the dead. Yes, I died, but I am risen. I rose. I ascended to the right hand of the Father. I poured out the Spirit. And now you, members of my body, sons and daughters of God now, in the order of grace, you're going to help make a new world. And although this world is, is not ultimately what we're living for, we do... We do, by our good deeds, by the grace of God, make heaven present. And in some way, we're already building our heavenly homeland. So somehow what we do here reverberates forever in heaven. Jesus even said, you give a cup of cold water in my name, it won't go without its reward. So everything we do here, everything... Every thought, every word, every action somehow makes a difference in eternity, not just in time, because it does make a difference in time as well, but it also makes our eternity. And so we're already, by the grace of God, we're already, you might say, we've already got a foot in in eternity. We've already got a foot in heaven. Thanks to God. We already have one foot in heaven. And that shouldn't scare you. That should, I mean, it doesn't scare me. (laughs) That excites me. So in a sense, we're already building our house, the mansion that we are going to 
inherit. At least I feel like I'm going for a mansion, you know. I don't want any kind of, or a, you know, a little apartment, right? I want a, a mansion with a beautiful view of, you know, the ocean and heaven and whatever it is up there that's so beautiful. And yeah. So somehow everything, I'm, and that's not the only reason why I'm doing it, but God rewards that. Because as we are transformed, we are growing with him. We're growing closer to him. We're growing in friendship with him. And it's from that friendship that everything else flows, really. And that's what Jesus is trying to highlight in the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field which a person finds and hides again and out of joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So it's more valuable than anything else. It's more valuable. Our relationship with God, the kingdom of heaven, it's more valuable than anything else. Now, of course, that takes faith. But as you enter into that relationship, as you discover more and more the treasures of our faith, the richness of God's love and mercy, it does draw you in more and more. It draws you in more and more. It attracts you more and more. Because there always is more. And Paul would say that we're made for more. We're all made for more. Don't think you've disqualified yourself. Don't think you're, you're, you're somehow not worthy of all that God wants to give you. It's never too late. And it's never too early. <laughs> this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. That's what we pray at Easter. So let's, let's ask the Lord to help us realize this dignity that he has given us, that we are called to, this, this greatness that we're called to. We're made for more. We're called to be more. We're called to do more with him and, and through him and in him. And as we do that, we do make his kingdom come. Amen.